Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back, my Truth Over Tea fans, friends, and fanatics. It's me, your continual host, Christopher Wilmot, where we're learning to tell the truth over spilling the tea to the LGBT community and beyond. I welcome you wherever you may be joining us today, whether it's here locally in the States or globally as we're getting some listeners and viewers there. Welcome, come on in and welcome back if you've been tracking with us over each season. But if this happens to be your first season, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. You know my name. I'm 29 years old. I have been a disciple as we're learning to call ourselves um, with the Lord for about seven to eight years now, walking with him and just following him as a disciple. The Lord has discipled me into the three things that we're learning on this podcast, which is acceptance, change, and practicing self-control over same-sex desires. Yeah. And a little bit of tea about myself as you heard some of it being stirred in the background. Here's some spilling tea that you may be interested in that I spent four to five active years in the LGBT lifestyle identifying with homosexuality. So I have come into an understanding of the truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Jesus himself. And he's discipled me to understand that God accepts you, grace changes you, and you can't control you. So whether you're in the community or even out, all three of those things can benefit you. Even though this is a podcast targeted to the LGBT community, it's not limited to the community. So I welcome you. And so without any further ado, grab your tea and join me. Like, comment, and share this if this installment of truth can bless you or somebody you know. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's installment of truth. Hello and welcome back, fans, friends, and fanatics. It's me, as you know, your host, continuously for each of these episodes, as the intro has already welcomed you in. And I pray that you have been tracking along with us thus far as we get ready to close out our Truth Over Tea Season 3 podcast. This is not the last episode, but it will be our season finale will be t- next week. I believe we're released that season finale one. And as far as this week, this is a bittersweet moment because we're bringing it all to a close here. Hopefully you're getting your truth already out already in your tea as well. As we dive into another installment of Truth Over Tea, we're going to build off of and close out that study we were doing last week or the week before that, I believe, which was Knowing God and reflecting God, since, you know, hence we're made in his image, as Genesis 1 was saying in 2 and 3, also Galatians and Colossians, where we were coming out of, since we're made in his image, reflecting that image comes by our relationship and encounter that we're having with God. So depending on how you're encountering him is how you're going to reflect him and express him to others that are around you. Now, I think through your discipleship process, you're going to be learning different sides of God. As God spoke to me and I've shared with you in episodes past that when you become acquainted with another side of God, you're charged with the responsibility of reflecting that. Hence the angel surrounding the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy. The angels, I remember reading that scripture in the Bible and having to really search that out with the Lord, like thinking we're not really searching out with the Lord. But I, I said within myself that it was a boring thing that that job must be for that angel or angels to be circling around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, that must be boring. But the Lord had to speak to me by way of his spirit through, of course, our relationship, as you should be building one of your own. And he spoke to me. He said, "Um, do you know why they do that? And I said, no, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. And he went on to further iterate that they circle the throne of God saying, holy, holy, because every time they circle him, they see a new side of him. And that's what I'm challenging you to do through this podcast and other uh, principles that I've been hopefully 
articulating in an effective manner so you can take it, lay hold of it, teach it and catch it and run with it. So you can experience these same things that I'm experiencing, not just in the avenue of acceptance, change and self-control, which are the three pillars that uphold the mission and mandate of gay apparel, but also just experience the different things that I have experienced to come into an identity that changed me and that is helping encourage me and empower me to do the things that we're doing in these last days, which is cray cray. <laughs> the last days is, of course. So. To know God and, re- and to be charged with the responsibility of reflecting God, you're going to have to see and grow in new aspects of God. And so I kind of titled this, I guess, study tonight, take the limits off, because I think what we're doing is we're labeling God because of the limits we put on God. We're, or excuse me, we're limiting God because of the labels we put on God and the ways we've met him, met him and we're refusing to grow in the knowledge of him. The Bible says, grow in the knowledge of him as you learn him. So maybe you learned him as love. God is love. According to first John. Yes, he is. But he's also just, he's also good. He's also truth. He's also all these other avenues we're going to get into on our study tonight. But if you've only met him as one thing, it hinders you from understanding the other things about him that he's trying to grow you in through this discipleship process. I'm doing it virtually with you through the podcast, but hopefully you're doing it in your own life with others that are holding you accountable in your life. Hopefully you have some form of accountability. If not, then I'm kind of nervous <laughs> because you should be under some covering, some accountability and responsibility to in- employ the different things you're learning in the faith, in the Bible to see these benefits, these blessings and and, and promises of God. But nonetheless, I digress. Hopefully through these different episodes and seasons, I have done a a good enough job to help you with that if you don't have covering. But I still encourage you to get under covering because you need a pastoral covering in these last days, just as you need a um, spiritual covering with the Lord. So let's dive into the three things that I I want you to take away as you know, and better reflect God. And this is going to help you to take off the limits of God. I want to go back to that story in the Bible, in that revelation he gave me on that story where the angels are circling the throne of God saying, holy, holy. What is interesting is that if we remain in God's image, that means everybody you see is another image of God that you can reflect or you can learn from. And what happens is when we label him, we limit him and then therefore everybody else who was made in his image. And sometimes we think that God can only be seen or displayed or known through a certain group of people, a certain ethnicity, an ethnic group, a sex or sexuality. You know, the same God that's for the straights is the same God that's for the gays. <laughs> you know, sometimes I was talking to a mentee of mine, which is, I guess, now a spiritual son. And we were talking about this and we were discussing the importance of the grace of God and the universe, the universal approach that we should be taking to it because of the uni- universal application that the grace of God is for all people in all sins. Um, we, we've referenced that from Galatians 3. The same God that's for the straights is for the gays. And, and what he mentioned was that the same, the same cross that Jesus died on for the straights is the same cross that was effective <laughs> for the gays. And there's no different cross that Jesus died on to extend this grace that is so promiscuous, so encouraging, so uplifting, so life changing. And really, you know, if you haven't encountered this level of change or 
maybe this level of acceptance or whatever else that we've been reiterating on these different episodes, it's probably because you have limited God in some way, shape or form that's keeping you from experiencing God that way. And so I want to make sure that the grace of God is universal to you and you're catching it as it is universal to us all. And so the same grace for the straights is the same grace for the gays. The same cross Jesus died on for the straight sins is the same grace and cross that he died for to extend for the gay sins. And so we don't want to limit God, which will keep people from feeling accepted by God because of the different sides of God that we may not have encountered or maybe certain things about God we don't know or, or even about scripture we may not know. And it's going to require you to be humble because I think in these not just last days, but in this time that we're currently in and the generations that are in this time. There's this pride that they know everything or we know everything or this person knows everything and nobody knows everything. Even if you know all these different scriptures or stories in the Bible, there, it, it, there's so much more about God to know if the angels are still circling around him saying holy, holy and experiencing and encountering new sides of him. So what makes you think we aren't and we are in this flesh here? So tapping into the spirit, of course, because God is a spirit and we're made in that image. So we are spirits as well. Help us to see different sides of God so we can reflect him and also um, respect different sides of God as we see him in others. And this is a radical truth, but the same God, like I said, that's for the straights is for the gays, but the same God who made the straights is the same God who made the gays. Now, of course, I'm not saying God made people gay. I don't believe that. I don't believe the scripture supports that, but I do believe even with people's sin, and different issues that they're struggling with. There's still sides of God that's in them that you are charged as the believer to pull out of them. I'll say that again. There's still sides of God that's in them that you as the believer are charged to bring out of them. You have to bring out these sides of God by showing them the mirror of God's word, allowing them to see that, behold it, and mirror that in their life so they can reflect it in their life. And so that's why we push people to truth or point people to truth. But watch this. Don't forget, do it in love because if it's not in love, they're not going to receive the truth anyway. But that's the thing that you need to begin to do is take the labels off God so you can do that for people's life. Do that for people that are in your life or people you may know or come across that God is the same God for me as he is for them. The same grace that changed me can change them. The same scriptures and the same cross, the same Jesus for me is the same thing for them. So I got to stop labeling God or excuse me, limiting God by labeling him, even as we were teaching how we've done that with our own selves. So a couple things I want to share with you in the context of what we're talking and studying today is some some uh, what would you call this points that I had mentioned that kind of came out of my study. So this is something the Lord told me while doing this and uh, re-listening to some of the, th the let me slow down. <laughs> this is some of the stuff that God taught me and was telling me with this study today. And he says, take the limits off of me. And the labels you gave me take the limits off of me and the labels you gave me again you may have met god one way but that doesn't mean that's the only way that you can meet it or excuse me you have you may have met god as one thing but that's not the only thing he is so some may have met god as love but doesn't mean he's not just just because you met god as love doesn't mean he's not just you may have met god as a healer but that doesn't mean he's not a deliverer just because you met god as a deliverer doesn't mean he's not a way maker there's other sides and facets of god and there's even other names that god is associated with i don't know if you guys are familiar with jehovah mckedish and jehovah rapha and jehovah Seniknu. these are different names that people in the old testament would refer to god as based off how they encountered and met god but the one thing is 
as I'm reiterating, you don't want to limit God by how you met him by putting different labels on him or even just limiting him to certain names. I like how the scripture says that um, Moses is a prime example. When he met God and God sent him out to teach and preach, he said these very words. Hold on. If you guys remember this story, it said um, here, it said that M Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? Because, of course, he was being sent out into the ministry, so to speak, to tell people of, of God. And he said, God responded and said, tell him I am sent you. And that's an interesting name or phrase, you know, to be called or want somebody to call you is I am. That's not even really a technically a name, but he was literally saying I am and I am whatever I need to be at any time I need to be it for whoever I need to be it. And so that's a good generalization that we want to apply for our study today that God is the great I am. The great that I am, he is. The great that you are, he is. But he is the great I am. He can do and be anything he needs to be at any time he needs to be it for anyone who needs to see it or experience it. So God will be your mother in a context if he needed to be or father or your friend or brother or sister. Now, I'm not saying God is a woman per se. I'm not trying to be, you know, ir irreverential with that. Of course, we know Jesus was a man, but the spirit of God, who God is, which is a spirit, there's no gender as we've been talking and studying throughout episodes past. And if you don't understand that, go back to some of those other in, um episodes and installments of truth because God is God has no gender. <laughs> you know, um, he's not transgender. He has no gender. So there's no gender because he has specific qualities about him that make up what we have understood as gender. But he is not a gender. He is a spirit, which brings me to the first thing I want you to, again, reiterating from some of our studies um, in the past that God is a spirit. He doesn't have a spirit. He is a spirit. Well, I guess you can say in the context of the Holy Spirit, he has the Holy Spirit, but he is a spirit. Same thing with us since we're made in his image. We are a spirit. Why is this important? Because to encounter God, we have to be understanding that we are a spirit so we can get in the spirit to encounter him who is a spirit. The Bible says that we cannot encounter him or worship him unless we do so in spirit and in truth. So God is a spirit and so are we. And we're going to see this reflection as we take these limits off. Since God's a spirit, so am I. God is a, a God is also love. So we ought to be love because we're we are loved, beloved. And so and then the last thing is God is good. So God is a spirit. God is love. God is good. Now, God is a whole bunch of things. But these are three things I want to get over to you for our study and for the podcast viewers today. And whenever you happen to be listening to this is because these are the three things I, I see most misunderstood in the LGBT community or people who are ministering to those said people or groups of people is that a lot of people don't know that God first, which God is God. You know, a lot of people have not recognized him as God. They, they, they recognize him as, you know, a God possibly, but not the God. They also don't recognize him as the truth, as we've said in episodes past, but they also don't understand that God is love. A lot of the LGBT community, as I've said before, says that love is love. You cannot define a word by word. Love is not love. God is. So we have to begin to use God as the rubric for what we have labeled as love. God as the rubric for what we've labeled as love. God is this. So let's label since he's already since he's already is this in you know, lack of better words. We need to be labeling. We need to be um, allowing that to be the rubric for us with everything we call love and everybody we're saying we're in love with. We God needs to be in and in or endor, endorsing, excuse me, that that relationship of love. So God is love. He needs to be the rubric for it. 
And then also God is good. Now, this is what's interesting, especially when we talk about take the limits off. People have limited God's goodness. I hear this by the spirit. Glory to God. We, God is, people have limited God's goodness because they have stopped associating God as being good. They have not associated him with being good. They, they religiously we may have say God, we may say God's good, or you may have heard God is good. But you know God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Do you really believe that, or have you limited God on that because you have stopped seeing His goodness? And there's a lot of goodness that people have stopped seeing because of their bitterness. They become bitter instead of better, and so they have limited. God's goodness because they stop seeing God's goodness, stop believing for God's goodness. Because watch this, they stop labeling God as good. And again, religiously saying this, but not relationally believing this is going to hinder you from experiencing this. So again, religiously, we say God is good, but do you relationally, intimately know he is good? And this reminds me of a scripture I would like to turn to. I'm, I've referenced a few of them, but um, I want to I want to go to this. It's in Hebrews. Let me see you. Remember, God is love. God is, uh, what was the third thing? God is a spirit. God is love. And um, what was the last one? Oh, God is good. So Hebrews eleven six. I wanted to I wanted to show you this very familiar scripture. It says, without faith, I'm going to emphasize a little bit more on that God is good. Understanding him as that so we can take the labels or maybe the limits we've placed on him with his goodness. So we won't become victims to that thing that I just said. It says in Hebrews eleven five, excuse me, eleven six, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. Please God. So faith is required to please him. Not not works or anything like that. Faith is required to please him. But it says, anyone who wants to come to God must believe that he is. That he is. What? He is God. He is love. He is all these other things we were iterating. But in this context, you have to believe that he is God and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. So this is emphasizing that God's not just going to want you to seek him, be submitted to him, be his child, you know, be his disciple, as we were saying and calling ourselves. He doesn't want you to just do that just because he said so. There's a benefit of that and he wants to reward you for that. But again, we've limited him from doing that in our lives because we haven't labeled him as good or we religiously have said it, but not relationally experienced it. And what has happened is this this other scripture in Hebrews. I want to show you, I'm sorry. I'm just looking it up on my phone for the sake of time. Hebrews 12, 15. It says, look diligently, look diligently. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment spring up and cause trouble and defilement. Now you say, what does this have to do with labeling and limiting God and the titles and names we've given God? Well, because if you have failed to see and experience God's goodness, this is what's going to happen. I believe you're going to fail to obtain his grace, which is his unmerited, uh, undeserved favor, which is an expression of his goodness. And watch this, because you haven't experienced that, you're going to become bitter because of that. And that's what he says in in uh, Hebrews 12, 15. See that no one falls or fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble in them and defile them. Verse uh, 16, see that no one is becoming sexual and moral or godless like the Esau who sold his single meal for, sold his, excuse me, let me slow down. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless 
or sexually immoral, like Esau, who traded his birthright for a single meal. So he exchanged the blessing that he had for the birthright that he had. This is Esau for something he was looking for for pleasure. So he gave up peace for pleasure, as we've been saying. He gave up his security for something that gave him pleasure because he couldn't secure God's goodness. He couldn't experience it. So he became bitter instead of better, as we said before. And I think this happens a lot, especially with not just those in the LGBT community, but people in this day and time that because we have not associated God with good or we've limited his goodness, we've gone away from him to try to experience it. We pretty much cheated on him for things that we want, that he said he could give us, but we've cheated on these things with him. We've we've cheated on him with these things, is what I'm trying to say. Because we really don't believe he can, we can experience those things. And this is what's interesting. If, if uh, homosexuality was so good and everything that's, you know, people often associate with homosexuality being good, then God would be that because God is good. And every good thing comes from him. What happens is we do not associate God with being good or we've limited his goodness. So now we cheat on him with different things that we want that is good that really God could give us. But the things that God didn't give us are obviously not good if he is good. God is a spirit. God is love. But God is good. We got to stop thinking or saying or allowing people to tell us that God isn't good because of the different things that maybe they haven't experienced from God because maybe they've limited God or they haven't encountered God that way. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want us to encounter it. But we're going to have to secure his grace to experience it. James, it says all good and perfect things come from above. I think it's in James. I think it's James. Don't quote me. I want to look it up. James 117. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of lights who does not change. So this is this is something, especially in this times. I don't know if when you will be listening to this, but we're still currently in the new. I guess you can say a pandemic, but a new variant that has came out to place us kind of back in this or maybe not back in. We never really left this pandemic season. We've been in for about almost two years now. What's interesting is we're not seeing God's goodness or a lot of people don't think God's good even in these times. But he says here in James 1, 17, not what I say or you say, you think or you feel. It says God is still good. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from coming down from the father of lights who does not change like the shifting shadow. So if God was good before the pandemic, he's going to be good during it and after it and all around up and through it, you know, all up and through it. He's going to be good. God doesn't change his goodness because the times have changed. Just because you're standing in a bad circumstance doesn't mean God is not good in that circle you stand in. God is still good. And we have to associate his name, that name, goodness, or his name with goodness and goodness with his name and everything else that we have or beginning to understand about God. Because if not, you fail to experience it from God and then you either cheat on God with it or you are limited from experiencing it because you have just stopped believing that God is good. And God is still good before, during, and even after the pandemic. And I want you to understand that God told me that he has blessings that he wants to bestow upon his people that he still wants us to believe for despite the circumstances we're in. Don't give up your faith and from securing this grace to experience everything that he says that he wants you to have because God is good. And you need to associate that with his name, associate that with his personhood. Now, I know we were talking about knowing God and reflecting him. 
Now you're saying, what's the in, what, what does this have to do with identity? Well, the more we know about God being good, the more we're going to experience his goodness and the more we're going to be good. Now, I know that sounds like a reach, but that's literally what's happening because the, as God begins to bless us and pour out his blessings and his spirit upon us and, and the love within us, he says, now that you've been blessed with it, go give it. He says, it's more blessed to give than this to receive. But a lot of us are giving from an empty cup because we're not filled up with God and from God, reflecting God and experiencing God because we don't even think God is these things that he really is to be going to him for, like love which a lot of the LGBT community doesn't go to God for, but they use his love as an excuse to do what they're doing that they love. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you can't use his love to go do your lust or God is truth. We, we don't want to believe him for that. So we want to go create our own truth so we can do our own thing. But when you really get down to the, if you're really honest with yourself, if you get down to the nitty gritty of why you're doing that, it's because you don't believe God for that. You don't believe God for the truth. So you go make your own. You don't believe God is love. So you go try to, you settle for lust or you call something else love that you, that is not God, or you don't believe God is good. So you try to go get something that is good from somewhere else that God says, hey, I would give you good and perfect things, but it has to come from me and you have to believe me for it. If not, you're going to fail to secure it and experience it. And then, like I said, you cheat on me for it. And the thing I, I have seen is that we've limited God and his goodness as the spirit of God was kind of giving me the unction and utterance. We've limited God on his goodness and we've really limited God on his love. God loves us. That's why he's good to us. It's not the other way around. He's not good to us. And then he loves us. No, it's because he loves us. He gives us these good things. And if we who are evil know how to give good things, then how come God who is good doesn't know how to do those things? And I'll read another scripture where that is concerned. You being evil know how to give good, how to give good gifts or get good gifts. And it says it's in Matthew and Luke. It says in Luke eleven thirteen and Matthew seven eleven. but that's my brother's birthday. <laughs> July uh, 11th, but it says in Matthew 7, 11, if you, uh, you who are sinful people or evil people in one context or translation know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give you, give good things to you for those who ask him? Now, again, this, we're, we're, I know this is an identity season, but I want you to begin to identify with God or bring this identity to God that he's good. I know we I know we were talking about our identity, but I want to talk a little bit about his because we're made in his image and he wants us to reflect that, but also experience that. So I'm more on the experiential side of the identity of who God is as we're coming to know him. I want you to know this about God and I can't reiterate it enough that God is good. God is a spirit. God is love. I posted on my page a few weeks ago on the Gay Apparel page that um, the four misconceptions about God, God's love, which is very miscon, this very, it, it's misconceiving, or that's not a word, the misconception re revolving around love, is because we've we've taken love from truth, and so you can't have true love, as I said before, without truth, in love, and the truth about God's love, which isn't found in the Word of God, which is the grace of God, as we were talking about is that there's four misconceptions I said, and it says one of them is that his love is his love. So we can't tell him how to love us. A lot of people, again, in the LGBT community say, well, God is love and, you know, Christians are supposed to be loving. So you can't, you shouldn't be able to judge me based off who I love because after all, God is love. And they say, yeah, God is love, but that doesn't give you an excuse to do what you love. That brings me to one of the other points I made. 
um, just because God loves you doesn't mean he loves everything you do, nor is he required to. Another misconception. Oh, because God's love, then he allow me to do anything that I love. Well, not if it interferes with your relationship with him, not if it takes you from him and so on and so forth, especially if he's already good. And he'll give it to you if it's something he wants you to have in that season. So just because God loves you doesn't mean he loves everything you do. That's one misconception. Another misconception is it's, it's his love. So we cannot tell him how to love us. The same thing with I told people about his grace. I was discipling uh, an individual at one season in his life, and, and I had to explain to him that, you know, God is love, but that, that doesn't mean God's not just and in, 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 in a judge as well. And just because you met him as love, as I said before, that doesn't mean you, you can't or you won't meet him as judge. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that God's going to judge you per se in this day and age. But if you don't judge you, then the world, it's almost like God will give you over to the judgments that you don't judge yourself for or with in the context of consequences. That's all I'm saying. So if you don't judge yourself to keep you from those consequences, you're now going to be given over to those consequences or experiencing them because you didn't you didn't judge yourself, as the scripture says, which is another sermon another day. Don't mean to go on a tangent or take your attention or focus off what we're talking about. But God is not just love. He's also other things. And if you fail to be discipled in those things that God is, you're going to be, again, hindering the experiences you should be having with those things and also the different lessons you need to learn from those things. And discipling this individual, I had to let him know that God is not just love. So stop using his love as an excuse to get out of your judgment or get out of or the consequences for your actions. And that's a lot of, it's not just this individual, but it's a lot of people even in and out of the LGBT community who do that. They justify their lust with God's love. They justify their sin with God's grace and grace and love would never give you a license to sin. And you cannot make God love you the way you want to be loved or or approve what you love or make you do or empower you to do what you love. No, grace is not given for you to sin. Love is not given for you to lust. And so it's his grace. He can choose how he causes it to abound upon you. And it's his love as well, which he can choose how he loves you. Uh, just some examples there. Hopefully that made sense. So again, reiterating, just because God love, loves you doesn't mean he loves everything you do. That's one misconception. Another misconception, it's his love, not ours. So we can't tell him how to love us. Another misconception is God is love and God is truth. Hence the expression true love. So anything we say is truth and love needs to line up with God who is both. The most misconception is we've already read it, reiterated in episodes and seasons past. God is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth and life, according to John 1, 14. So you can't call something truth just like you can't call something love that it doesn't line up with God because he is both. And, that, and then the last misconception is God's love language is truth. He can't love anything that's a lie. So a lot of people excuse things based off what they think or feel or some lie that they've heard and then they want to try to call it truth and then get God to love it or endorse it and that doesn't work like that but I just wanted to reiterate some of those points and plug that in because um, those misconceptions could also be hindering you or limiting you but um, Matthew back to the, the point I was making about God's goodness and what he wants to give to us to express that goodness is Matthew seven eleven. if you are evil or sinful, and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Father in heaven give us those things if we just simply ask? And I'm, I'm asking you to ask him. 
go to him as you've been disciple and been, been able to be trusted with good things and you believe in him for those good things, go ask him for those things. Matthew eleven twenty four 24 says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Stop thinking that God doesn't want you to enjoy life and have happiness and and have a relationship, so on and so forth, in the context to uh, the LGBT community. If you really want to be in a marriage or you really want to find love with another partner, God says, I'll give you that, but I'll let me be the one to give you the partner and, and, and endorse the love. Stop trying to do it on your own and then having me and then trying to stamp my approval on it, my truth on it, or my love on it. So as we bring this thing to a close here, I want you to, again, reiterate the three things I want you to understand and begin to associate with God understand about God and identify with God. That God is a spirit, so therefore you are. God is love, so therefore he wants you to be as well, expressing God's love, not just the truth as I've been constantly trying to humble you as God has humbled me. Sometimes you get so passionate about the truth, we forget about the love. And God says, you're not, they're not going to even receive your truth, my truth, or any truth unless it's expressed and extended in love. So since God is love and reflecting his image and knowing that about him, we're going to need to be love as well. We have to be love, not just truthful people. I'm not saying abandon truth for love, and just and I'm also not saying abandoning love for truth. But we're going to have to reflect better. We all can grow in love. I've said um, so. Since God is love, we're gonna we're, we need to reflect that and be that for people. I often said, or the Lord. I don't know if I've told you all this. I, I get so confused with who I've said what to. But I was I learned through the Holy Spirit that He said that um gym, that love is the gymnate. Excuse me, relationships are the gymnasium where love works out in. So we're gonna need to grow in love, and the way that we're gonna do it is by experiencing different sides of God, having to um especially in this time, I think it would be good for you to get around people that you don't necessarily get around or wouldn't necessarily associate with so you can grow in love, loving them and and even knowing some things about them that may point you to God or learn different things about them that is a reflection of God. Again, don't think that you know everything. Don't think that you've seen and heard everything. There's so much more for us to learn. And relationships is how God develops us in love and even maybe introduce you to new truths. That's where wisdom comes about. That's where different knowledge can be discovered. But if you're not willing to open yourself up to have these encounters and experience with other people to grow in that thing or grow in those things, you you won't. So uh, relationships is going to help develop you in love. And obviously, if God is love, he's going to want us to love more. And then God is a spirit. Don't forget that. If you're going to worship God, remember it says that in John, what is it? John forward, like the woman was caught in the very, no, excuse me. The one at the uh, the well, the woman at the well, he said that if you're going to worship me, you have to do so in the spirit and in truth because I am a spirit. But also that the more you get more acquainted with the spirit, the more you'll get acquainted with you who are a spirit. And then you'll be able to reflect that. Now, someone said, how do you reflect a spirit? Well, it's not necessarily reflecting the a spirit, but it's reflecting spiritual things like the kingdom of God is a spiritual place. Um, the benefits of God's word and grace is spiritual. All these different spiritual attributes and spiritual components in this spiritual place, God wants you to experience in your life and express in others' life. And then that's the importance of knowing the spirit and getting more acquainted with the spirit. And then thirdly, as I said, God is good. And of course, God wants us to be good. Do good. The Bible says to do good. He wants you to do good. One way of doing good is giving. One way of and giving monetarily, voluntarily, monetarily and voluntary forms of giving. He says, I want you to do good, give good things to people. So where you can bless people when you can love on people when you can do good, because in a world full of hate and evil, where good is not being seen, 
the more you understand this about God, the more you can reflect it before his people. And then um, also go to God for good things. Stop disassociating good with God and start associating good with God because God is good and he wants to give you good things. That means a marriage, if you think that's good, money, uh, uh, materials, anything. And I know I'm not, I'm not, someone say, are you advocating a prosperity gospel? I don't believe it in any other gospel, but the gospel and within the gospel is good things like prosperity, healing, deliverance. Now, again, if you don't want to believe God for that, you've limited him where that's concerned. That's fine. I've met him as provider and prosper. Third John one and two says that beloved, I wish above all things that you may as prosper. So it's in the Bible. So it's not my words or a prosperity gospel or anything like that. He says, I want to give you good things. Again, if you being evil know how to give good things, don't limit me to give you good things just because you haven't met me in that area or you've like the like the word of the Lord was you put labels on me and that's limited me. And I you put labels on me that I never put on myself. You're saying that I can't do this because and really when you say you can't or God can't, it's because you, you've never understood him to be. Or you've never met that side of him to be. So 3 John 1 and 2 says, I can and I wish above all things that I would be able to prosper you and do this for you and you for you to be in good health, even as your soul prosper. But if you have limited me in the area of prosperity, that's fine. You don't have to believe me for that. But then this is my thing. Just using that as an example. If you don't want to believe God for it, stop working in your life for it. If you don't want to believe God for the marriage, stop trying to go away from God to get the marriage. If you don't want to believe God for prosperity, stop trying to prosper then. But if you want to believe God for, or if you desire that, God says, hey, I'll give it to you. Remember Matthew eleven seven. 7, I want to give you good things. You who are evil know how to do that. Don't think that I can't, or I don't, or I won't, because I most certainly can. The only requ requirement or the prerequisite is for you to believe him for it and have a heart to receive it. Have faith to, to believe it and have a heart to receive it. That's why 3 John 1 and 2, especially the second scripture or the second verse, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may as prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So if your soul is not prospering to that degree, you're not going to be able to receive on that degree. So you do have to believe and you do have to have a heart to receive. But if you're being discipled, which we have been, if you've been tracking with me thus far, you your heart will be ready and your soul will be prosperous enough to believe and receive these good things. So associate these things, not just with his name, and his personhood, but also with your understanding of who he is and who he wants you to be in this earth. So without further ado, God accepts you. Grace changes you and you can control you. And you can experience these three attributes about God as you begin to know him. God is a spirit. God is love. And you and God is good. And he wants you to be all of those things as well as you come to your identity and even his. So I love you until our last installment of truth, which will be hopefully in the next couple of weeks. God bless you and go in grace. One more episode left in our last season. Love you all. Out and over.